Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, we have so much to talk about. Potentially more than any other podcast that we've sat down to record. More topics to get through than any other time we've done this show. So you know what that means. Is that we're, I'm going we're not to not gonna talk about any of them up top. Right. Is that I'm going to start this out with a very personal and esoteric back and forth with you, my friend. Yes, I did have a great birthday. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Well, I'm glad that you brought your birthday up because it's a it's a perfect segue. Um, Alex, can you can you tell the listeners how you and I celebrated your birthday last week? What 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 was the um, event that we used to mark you turning 25? In in lieu of making a joke about how no, I I don't remember how we we celebrated my birthday yeah, last boo. week. Okay, which, like, whatever. Um, I'll just lean in and say. Yes, Robert. We had a jersey party. <laughs> a jersey party? Can you mm-hmm. say more about what that is? Um, so it's the one time of the year when you get to break out your jersey that you have. <laughs> uh, and you get to put it on, wear it around your house, and not uh, feel like a total douche, you know? Right, right. Oh, okay. So interesting how the man who says that jerseys have no purpose uses a jersey party. Where everybody who attends puts on a different sports jersey to celebrate the coming of his 25th year on planet Earth. That's very interesting. I would just like the listeners to know that fact. Look. Mm-hmm. Bob. <laughs> Bob. I'm just going through variations of your name on this point. That's how you know. Instead of saying like your full name right. when uh when I'm when I'm mad, you know, I I just I just just ver- just variations. Robbie. Mm-hmm. Bobbert. There we go. I wore a jersey the same week. And as so you know, it does not matter. As you know, I do not completely disavow the 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 wearing of jerseys in any sense. Right. So it's more of like a half take, like one that you can't get really get behind. Right, exactly. It's what I'm saying is I'm taking the coward's way out on, exactly. on the take. Yes. Precisely. Yes. yes. You did. You you got me there. So I like jerseys. Jerseys are fun. Did anyone show up to this jersey party wearing a jersey, or are we just going to acknowledge that jerseys are superior here? (laughs) For the listeners who who maybe the way the way it's being described, it sounds like I had like an Obama level like like party where people were just rolling up. I wasn't really sure like what was happening. There were seven Seven people, people. including Mm -hmm. myself and me. in, in <laughs> and you and our significant others in a home. So really, there was only like three other people there, right? Exactly. <laughs> Lest you think that uh, we're we're having a super spreader party. That's that was that was not the case. It was just a super spreader of vibes. We leave the super no. spreader events to Major League Baseball. Yes, exactly, and former presidents. Well, I'm glad that we brought to light something that the listeners needed to know. That you're just. You're a coward who won't stand by his takes in real life. You think that the takes only exist on the podcast, but I'm here to bridge that gap. 
I'm here to break down that wall. This is uh, a, a violation of HIPAA, <laughs> of my HIPAA rights. Oh, and you're right. I'd love if you could just strike this from the from the record, and we can just start fresh. Okay. Well, um, now that I've burned a good, you know, five or six minutes up top, we have actually a lot to get to. We're going to talk about Bricciaroli's piece in the Athletic about uh, the crisis facing minor league players and housing. Uh, we're going to talk about the advanced talks that Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred are in with Barstool Sports. Uh, we're going to catch up on some of the trade deadline reactions, and we'll do three up, three down. But before we do all of that good stuff, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Basley. You are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, the four-year anniversary of the podcast just passed. Last week, in fact, we did not have a... As is tradition, we were not able to catch that ahead of time and do anything special for it. But I did want to just kind of, you know, temp check with you. How you feeling? Four years into doing this pod. You want to just make this the last episode? <laughs> I mean, it would be quite a banger to go out on, Bobby. I mean, we're really running running the gamut on this one, which is why we're burning so much time uh, kind of navel-gazing up top and talking about right. ourselves, right? We've already talked, how, so, we've already how talked about we how celebrate? we summered together last week instead of talking about the actual news in the baseball world. Yes, exactly. But, you know... I've, it feels like we've been doing four years of a podcast. We still get on here every week. We still do. And talk. And do you think the podcast has changed drastically at any point? Like, what, what year was the biggest learning curve for us, do you think? I certainly think things changed when, um, when you moved across the country, which, you know, no shade. There's <laughs> zero shade there. No oh, smoke wow. being... We're, ha- we're having it out right now. The true feelings are coming out. You abandoned <laughs> but the I- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it it, uh, it it got us to really start um, uh, planning, I think, was the, was the big thing. That's when we actually started planning instead of just kind of walking in to our apartment or to the NYU radio station and we'd just kind of talk without recording and then we'd press record and, and start going. Now we actually have to like write notes ahead of time. The horror. <laughs> the horror. Yeah, I think that, so that was probably like our what? So if we're talking about Tipping Pitches has graduated college now, that was like our junior year was when the real world started to set like That in. was when we moved off campus. Yeah, exactly. I moved way off campus. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Enough about the four-year anniversary of the podcast. Thank you to everybody who's been listening since day one, especially. But thank you to anybody who's joined at any point. We're happy to have you here. Um, let's talk about how terrible Major League Baseball is, because that's what we've been doing for the last four years. So that's what we're going to continue to do um, in year number five. Can you, can, real, real quick, can you, do you remember a point where like that wasn't our, our just, shtick week in and week out because like i kind of do you know like when we were we were younger and and more naive to the to the ills of the sport that we love yeah. uh it was a it was a more innocent time when the podcast uh, was definitely worse though because of it absolutely you know what baseball podcasts didn't need is another one of two guys talking about Shortstops, players that war they like. and war, yeah, 
we used to talk a lot more about stats. And mm-hmm. uh, since then, we've realized that people don't come to us for that. Nope. I mean, maybe they do. They'll be very disappointed, but they might be here. Welcome, new listeners. <laughs> That's not what you're about to get. I don't know how you found this. Um, so, Britt Roli wrote a piece in The Athletic uh, last week, actually on your birthday. Happy birthday, Alex. Um, here's a piece highlighting everything that's wrong with the sport that you dedicate all of your life to. Um, it's headlined, Cockroaches, Car Camping, Poverty Wages. Why are minor leaguers living in squalor? Um, you know, without rehashing all of the details of the story, we'll obviously put the link in the description since we're leading the podcast with it. Um, it's a a comprehensive look from one of the largest sports publications about one of the biggest, if not the biggest problems facing the sport. And that is the poverty wages being paid to minor league baseball players and the problems that it is causing. Um, Namely in this piece, the terrible housing situations that players are forced into, whether that's sleeping in their cars, whether it's sharing, you know, a two bedroom apartment with eight people or whether it's not being able to afford housing that is, you know, that has better accommodations, you know, it's right there in the headline cockroaches and car camping. Um, This comes at an interesting point, I think in, in the dialogue about minor league baseball and minor league wages, um, because it feels like we're kind of, cresting a little bit or kind of crescendoing a little bit about in how we talk about these things you know we've we discussed a story a few weeks ago by june lee and espn that had us that was in a similar vein um we've been discussing throughout the season uh the work that advocates for minor leaguers have been doing to bring to light these sort of things but this piece really richerly one of the biggest mlb reporters feature reporters out there writing the story in the athletic it just feels like the conversation is louder and louder every single time we get in front of these microphones to talk about it. Yeah. And I mean, I feel a lot of ways about, about these stories. Um, and a not insignificant part of me is thinking that these stories aren't new. I'm, I'm really glad that there is a lot of collective voices that are kind of rising up and that more and more establishment sports media outlets are, are kind of picking up on this sort of thing. Um, but this has been a problem for years, man. And, uh, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that these, there's a part of me that thinks that these stories can get written now because it's safe to write these stories right now because there is a sport wide conversation going on about it. And I think that's wonderful. That's great. But I think at the same time, it also kind of speaks to the limitations of like access journalism and legacy media where these stories by and large, were not being written about, talked about in these outlets three, four, or five years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, places like ESPN and The Athletic, the the, the latter of which who has obviously had a, a much shorter life, uh, I, I think are doing really worthy, incredible reporting on this. And also, 
I think that they're able to do it now because it maybe doesn't necessarily jeopardize any sort of relationship that they may have with uh, with Major League Baseball. Does, does that does that track? Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, cats out of the bag, right? I I think it's shameful that it took up the pandemic for really this to become in vogue to write about. Honestly, I think that that was a pretty clear demarcation point um, where this these stories started to come out more and more. And this is not to say that people have not been writing about these things for years, but for sure, for the sure. biggest reporters, the biggest legacy media people, the you know baseball media influencers, so to speak, were not like taking this up as a cause until they realized that major league teams were going to try to use the pandemic to not pay minor leaguers. And the minor leaguers were just going to have to go kick rocks for um, the 2020 season while they didn't play. And, you know, minor league wages have been discussed and known for quite a while. I've been reading people writing about that since we started doing the show and even before then. But the to the total view of the treatment of minor leaguers and how it expresses major league clubs true feelings about their employees and what they can get away with without the scru- without public scrutiny at the highest levels there there was like a la- lack of understanding of that until the pandemic um until that was like a stark and sort of stunning cruelty with how they were handling this situation in a like a global event that was already so tragic and you know that's an indictment of mlb obviously but it's also an indictment of like the fact that it took this long to get to this point it's 2021 like we've we've been following prospects like they're our older brother since the 90s it shouldn't have taken this long yeah, and again, that is not to, I think, um, you know, denig- denigrate or, or belittle all of the the progress that has been made in these discussions. And and frankly, uh, you know, these are this kind of widespread awakening, so to speak, is not exclusive to baseball by any means, right? I think that for a lot of people, unfortunately, if you think about it like that. Like the pandemic exposed a lot of our ills and the like lack of structural soundness that a lot of lot of our you know assumed systems have, right? This pandemic very clearly kind of pulled away the curtain uh as to who's in charge, who's making these decisions, and who they actually care about. And so the, and this story was a like a really great dive into what these conditions actually look like. And I, and I said this, you know, a a few weeks ago when we talked about June Lee's piece in ESPN about the angels minor league system. But the thing that I'm most struck by is that there are actual minor league players who are in the minor leagues right now who are willing to go on record about this. And that's really just a testament to a lot of the work of smaller independent writers and organizations like we say time and time again, more than baseball and advocates for minor leaguers. Um, and just the way that like the conversation has 
shifted and and opened up in the last four or five years. I I I cannot imagine some of these stories being even written five years ago because no one is willing to actually go on record. Right. I I wonder how much of a chicken or the egg thing that is, though. Like, I wonder who was asking them, you mm-hmm. know, and if enough large reporters were asking them and offering the first round of people who talked anonymity and the second round, a couple of, you know, 50% of them anonymity, something like that. Would more people have talked to them? I, I don't know. I I think that to me, like clearly former players have been the largest catalyst for breaking down some of the barriers to talking about these things. Former players who are like, I went through this during the boom of Major League Baseball, where it's obvious how much these teams are making, and it's obvious to fans who are willing to look how little I'm making. And, you know, the more former players who just talk openly about their experience, the more it makes it easy for current players to talk about it, because it's just obvious that they're going through the same experience, that MLB has not made any improvements to this so-called system, like you said. And it, it would they would just be lying if they didn't tell the truth. Like if they didn't, you know, they would be lying if they didn't tell the truth. They would just be lying <laughs> if they didn't tell their story. If a reporter came to ask them, I mean, plenty of guys, I'm sure, are still afraid of being super vocal about it. Like, I don't think that the the players in this story and the players in June's story are not saying like, "Screw my club, I hate Major League Baseball." The way that you and I get on here and do sometimes, but they're just kind of pleading their case to this omniscient employer who they're so far away from who and this is where I get so mad when I read pieces like this who can fix this problem so goddamn easily Alex there are a lot of problems in baseball a lot of problems in baseball many of them are very hard to solve like if you want to talk about pace of play that's tricky to solve because you start putting in new rules and you start having unintended consequences. You want to talk about bad umpires. Tricky to solve because robot umpires may completely change the conception of the strike zone and it might take hitters years to readjust or pitchers years to readjust. You want to talk about three true outcomes. That's a hard thing to solve. We've talked a lot about that. People on Twitter have a lot of opinions about that both ways. But this is not hard to solve. It just takes money. Literally just money. That's it. And not even a lot compared to what they're bringing in. It's, it's, not like, it's not like other leagues have not figured out how to take care of their players better. It's not like other institutions have not figured out how to take care of people better. If you want minor leaguers to be treated better, pay them more. You're their employer. That is the one course of action you have. Well, and, and one, one of the parts of this article that stood out to me not necessarily because it even had anything to do with baseball, but because it was laid out in contrast to baseball's situation was when uh, Britt started discussing the what play what players in other development league developmental leagues of other sports actually receive. Right? And she mentions that in the NBA's G League, the players formed a union last year. Right? And are and housing is covered and their pay is you know twice uh, twice what an an average minor leaguers might be more tw- more than twice as much as many minor leaguers right at 30,000 the in the the AHL housing is not included but players get a minimum salary 
of $51,000, right? And it was uh, Brewers minor league pitcher Luke Barker who said, quite plainly, with us having no representation, they're allowed to do whatever they want, and it's kind of up to them to find it in the goodness of their hearts to change. They don't want to change it. They have no incentive to. I wonder what the um, what the solution is there. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a catchy slogan that you know we could come up with that might succinctly express our interests in minor league collectivity. Yeah, collectivism. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we could figure it. We could workshop it. Um, right. Maybe let's let's organize the just out of just out of college baseball players I don't, it'll it'll come to us yeah we'll we'll get there eventually um i want to tell a story from the dodgers game that i went to a couple weeks ago Please. um and and i want to you know pivot all the way back from my criticism of legacy media and talk about the actual as you said benefits of larger media outlets covering things like this and talking about it more and more and and how maybe we take for granted the circle of people that we're in the circle of baseball fans that we're in who know and care about this stuff I was wearing my Dodgers unionized the minor shirt and I was walking up to the Golden Road Brewery and the guy who was serving me my beer, he was like, oh, unionized the miners, huh? He's like, they're not part of the union. And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, he's like, why does that matter? <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you for asking, sir. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, well, you know, they're not part of the union and so they don't get paid very much at all. And he's like, yeah, but don't they have like, don't, don't they all have huge signing bonuses? And I was like, you're basically just asking all the right questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just don't know the answers. And he went on. And he asked me like four or five more questions. He's like, don't they all get big signing bonuses? And I was like, no. He's like, well, don't they get provided, you know, places to live? And I was like, actually, no, you should go read this article that June Lee just wrote. And uh, this was before the Bridge Early article. Um, and it just was like he was an older guy he works for a team so like he knows about the inner workings of Major League Baseball organizations more than 95% of people on earth at least at minimum probably 99% of people on earth and this guy doesn't even know that the minor leaguers the prospects are not included in the players union are not paid livable wages are not provided housing are not protected by team owners it's just like it's a big ass messaging challenge to overcome and to to start to let these people know and if if we're going to overcome that challenge if we're going to get over that hurdle it can't just be us talking about it to people who already agree with us right it does have to be like sports center as unfortunate as it is the way that the world is working right now these stories don't get out there unless teams voluntarily admit that they're doing something wrong which is not what they're doing. They're just pretending like they can't figure out why things are going wrong every time someone asks them about it. Or it just needs to be like shouted from the rooftops on first take. Like Stephen A needs to come out and be like, minor leaguers, time to pay them. Bring them into the PA. <laughs> and that's where and that's where Max steps in and goes, okay, well, I hear you, but I just don't think that it's right. For, game? I just don't think that it's right for our business, Alex. Right. Exactly. I, just, I mean, I they're playing a child's game. I'm perfectly happy with unions in in other places, like uh, you know, police departments, fire departments, teachers. But for baseball, it just doesn't work for us. You know, it just doesn't work. Right. 
It's interesting how every um, every business owner, every manager, every CEO loves every other union. Is like I, I like every other union. I just don't think that it would work here. I don't know how they all came to that original thought. I don't know what informed that opinion, but they just uniformly don't ever come out and say, "Yeah, I think a union would be good for my company." Is there something <laughs> that I'm missing? Hmm. There's something about class solidarity in there, but I can't put my put my finger on it. I don't know. <laughs> um uh one other, one last small detail. This is not directly related to the bridge early piece, but it came out right around the same time a few days before. Jeff Passan was tweeting um that in a high A game, Rockies prospect Michael Tolia hit a grand slam and it made one woman I'll just read directly from the tweet. It made one woman very happy. It was Grand Slam weekend in Spokane, and Tolia's hit won her $10,000, which is the exact amount a Class A ball player makes in an entire season of work. So this Rockies player, by hitting a Grand Slam in one game, earned someone else the same amount of money that he earned for every other day of work that he did for that entire season. And yet the, the teams, Alex, the teams, they pretend like they can't pay them more. <laughs> They're paying fans as much as they're paying the players, but they can't pay the players anymore. Should we have like, should we have like pod day, you know, where if you edit an episode or, or better yet, if, if we go an entire episode without mentioning someone in particular's name, they get. I don't know. Our salary it wouldn't quite work for us because we they'd get about as much as as uh, get like a dollar fifty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That wouldn't be good. But that shit sucks, man. I cannot imagine like turning in an article or posting something on Facebook or you know finishing up your spreadsheet, whatever it is that you do that you think you're pretty darn good at, and your reward is. Watching Someone your else. employer pay your salary to a different person. Mm-hmm. It's Damn. really tough. It's like something out of a legitimate like dark comedy sketch. It's not it's... like the real world is too fucked up to be parodied. Baseball specifically. Um, okay, let's move on. Speaking of too fucked up to be parodied, um, after all of this stuff, how is Rob Manfred handling these problems? Well, Rob Manfred is handling these problems by going into advanced negotiations with Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports. Not sure if you've heard of him. I don't really want to give the rundown for him. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, you probably know. Um, Barstool wants to broadcast Major League Baseball games, Alex. I, there's, this is a minefield to talk about. There are so many different avenues that we could go in. I think the first thing that I want to say is I can't believe that fans who have been pushing for accessibility to baseball for years via digital mediums, via the elimination of blackout restrictions, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it might be, marketability of players, you know, breaking down barriers, letting people post highlights on Twitter without having them DMCA take down, taken down. I can't believe after all of that stuff, Rob Manfred took all of that stuff and he put it in to his little body and he internalized it and what he spit out was let's let Barstool broadcast our games. Yes, he is uninterested in the existence of the sport 
like beyond the next 30 years. Yeah. Short-term gains, baby. I mean, here's the thing. I can't, you know, I can believe it. This is, this is, this makes perfect sense, right? For, for a lot of reasons. One, because I think that the, uh, you know, much as we would, would love to claim it, like the desire for baseball to be fun and young and more accessible is not necessarily an exclusive desire to us, like, you know, shitty online poisoned, like leftists, you know, like that's. Thank you for starting that with shitty. You're yes, right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that our most defining quality there. Um, dirt baggy, you could say. Dirt. <laughs> I love just, I'm going to keep doing that every episode because the way that the life just drains out of your face when I say that word, it's just amazing. It's so bad. It's so bad. And also because it's believable to me because what Major League Baseball sees and what more and more sports leagues see are these quote-unquote media outlets that are effectively just sports betting operations (laughs) raking in tons of cash off of their operation and the people in the boardroom saying, well, how can we get our hands in on that? This is like, Barstool is is the extreme of this example, obviously, because it is a, you know, uniquely evil and racist and like misogynistic company that just happened to kind of turn itself into a successful betting operation. <laughs> I'm like, I have even lost the thread on this. Like, what, the, <laughs> what the fuck are we even talking about at this point? Yeah, no, I think that the, the most disheartening part about it is that MLB looks at, consumption right where consumption used to be like this monoculture sports consumption used to be like this monocultural thing for baseball and for football where it was like these are america's pastimes and football like this is america's present you know it's always going to be popular it's always going to dominate the culture because that's just the way it is these are the stars of the world it's joe dimaggio it's mickey mantle you know it's it's babe ruth i'm just naming yankees right but these were like (laughs) cultural figures titans And that's slowly slipping away. Actually, it's been slipping away for quite some time. And it's starting to manifest problems for different sports leagues. Or it's starting to manifest perceived problems. They're still raking in cash in ways that they've never done before because of the advancement of technology. But what they're looking at is like this fragmented media consumption world that is now completely blown up like TV, for example, where where it's just like, okay, we have these network shows that a lot of people still watch because they're old and they don't know how to turn into Netflix on like a Roku or a smart TV or whatever. But then everything else is like, we just need to get a really excited smaller group of people so that the advertisers still give us the same amount of money as if we had a sort of passive larger group of people. And MLB sees that and they're like, okay, we need to fire up the people who already like our sport. Instead of continuing to contribute to growing demographics, which 
younger women is one of the fastest growing demographics of MLB fans because, you know, for a long time they actively drove away those people and now they're like slightly less actively driving away those people. But instead of seeing that and seeing something encouraging in in uniting other demographics of younger people and making your product more interesting and accessible for those people and building it sustainably throughout decades, they look at the fragmented group of white males who are like kind of angry about shit. Don't even know what, but they're angry. Their dad got arrested at the Capitol. (laughs) And they just pander. I don't see how you can look at this Barstool move as anything other than that, as anything other than a double down on the fans that they already have and making sure that they don't lose those. They're content with the status quo and they don't give a damn what the status quo, concentrating the status quo does to the people who are trying to get in on the sport. They don't care about those people. No, you're right. And at the same time, it's an acceleration of baseball's interest in making gambling go hand in hand with their operation. I mean, I was really quite upset when I saw this news break this morning. Uh, this is like one of the one of the only times we're going to be like live reacting to news basically like this came out yeah. today and we're recording today. Stuff gets dumped during the week. The latest something might get dumped is like Friday late afternoon and even then we have like almost 48 hours to mm-hmm. process our thoughts. So this is like you and I raw, just kind of real angry. Are you are you willing to not, rename the podcast to that? You and I raw, Bobby and Alex raw. <laughs> I just, I'm gonna just stop thinking about that. <laughs> My, you know what I say is I th- also think that there is a non-zero chance that this doesn't end up happening. Which, like, I mean, obviously they're still there's in advanced negotiations. Chance. It has not been. Uh, uh, announced or anything, right? This was uh, broken by the post, and even a, a quote unquote source in there said it's a 50 50 chance. And like, I think there's a pretty decent shot that this falls through in no small part due to the massive backlash that I've seen from this sort of thing. Maybe that is giving Major League Baseball too much credit, but the the worldwide leader in sports determined that Barstool was too toxic for them, right? Like, maybe Major League Baseball is just like, yeah, we're going to fucking lean in. But if they want their hand in betting, which it seems like is the the move here, right? Barstool is owned by... Uh, Penn Gambling. And, yeah, by Penn National. And they, you know, they who recently just acquired the score, which like, you know, all all sports media is just becoming gambling media. Like that's a whole nother discussion, whatever. But like there are so many avenues for Major League Baseball to achieve what they're going for that it feels like a real shooting themselves in the foot moment if they try and achieve it with Barstool. Again, I would not be surprised at all if that's what happens because you know, historically, baseball is a sport of conservative old white dudes. But like conservative old white dudes. So this is what's so. Conservative old white dudes don't know what barstool sports is. This is a play for like proto conservative old white dudes, like conservative right. old white the, dudes the, who are they're, still they're 23. Yes. Or like, they're yes. Yeah. Who are like going to become that. And it's it's weird. It's like 
you have this big problem that everybody is telling you that it's a problem. They're like flashing the sign in front of your face that you have a dying demographic of people who like your sport. You're the oldest sport in terms of people who are watching it of the main four sports in this country. And like what you're signing yourselves up for is that problem just 40 years from now. <laughs> you know, like you're you're not actually building any kind of coalition of of younger sustainable fans. You're not right. making These guys are already on your side. Yes. They're already watching. And you you alluded to that. Like you alluded to like MLB has many avenues that they could approach this exact problem with. And in the New York Post story that this first broke in by Andrew Marchand, I forgot to mention that he was the person who broke that. He's a sports media reporter for the New York Post. In that story, he says like MLB is also considering, you know, uh, YouTube and Peacock, NBC streaming platform. And so I'm like, is this Barstool thing just like a trial balloon to see if people are going to be so mad at you that you can't get away with it? Like, are you, are you just kind of like floating that one out there? So when you knock it off, you look like the good guys again? Because I don't want to let this whole conversation go by without also saying, I don't think it's a good idea to stream on Peacock. Like, Don't put more of your content behind a paywall. The only reason that the YouTube thing has worked out in the last five years, and even though we clowned it and it looked really dumb for a long time, and it was sort of like hard to figure out which game was going to go where i actually think the youtube thing has been good for the accessibility of baseball but that's just because it's free like if you put this on youtube tv and people have to pay for it guess what people are not going to watch it and so like if you have to pay for it beyond what you're already paying for mlb tv especially no one is going to watch it so just like i just think that there's a reckoning coming for them and they are going to have to either continue to make choices that are killing the sport or take a momentary short-term hit. And we know that they're just like not okay with taking short-term hits. You, you got to keep the stakeholders happy. <laughs> and as you know, we're not stakeholders. Fans are not stakeholders. Right, exactly. Our, our opinions actually mean relatively little in the grand scheme of things. But it doesn't make it any less infuriating. And I... You know, I say this as a as a cis white dude who the sport has generally welcomed with open arms. And I frankly cannot imagine what it would be like to try and enjoy this sport while not fitting into one of those categories. I I literally can't because it turns to you every day and says we're not that interested. Okay. We've exhausted our barstool quota for the next four years. So um, let's move on, please, for the love of God. Uh, we're, we're so far removed, Alex, from the trade deadline that I'm not like particularly interested in talking about the trades that did happen. Um, I wanted to talk to you about like the signaling of some of the clubs during the trade deadline. The Cubs specifically, I'd like to talk about. Um, and I want to start with Jed Hoyer who went on an ESPN radio show to... It's funny, you and I were um, in an Uber together when this was happening, and I was like formulating <laughs> my podcast thoughts in real time with you, just like getting angry. <laughs> no one wanted to listen to it. But he went on an ESPN radio show, and he expressed his frustrations. This comes courtesy of Jesse Rogers, who is a Chicago baseball reporter for ESPN. Um, 
And he says that Jed Hoyer expressed frustration regarding the lack of contract extensions to the players that he just traded. It's a reminder that not everything was perfect between the front office and players. Huge disconnect on value. Hoyer says, that will probably be my greatest source of frustration from this era. I put my head on the pillow every night knowing we put our best foot forward. The extensions we offered these guys will hold up exceptionally well against the open market. So, there is a lot to break down there. Number one, this is clearly just damage control from Jed Hoyer. You know, leftover damage control from the the direction that him and Theo Epstein received from the Rickets about not wanting to spend too much money on these guys and not wanting to solidify an expensive core of four or five people that you then build around to, to build some sort of sustained success similar to what the Dodgers have done out West. Um, the Ricketts don't have any interest in doing that. They're more of a real estate holding company, whatever. That's their vibe. We've talked about that a lot here. But I just, I, again, I just don't think that Cubs fans are stupid, Jed Hoyer. Like, Cubs fans are smart enough to realize that after threatening to trade these guys for the last two off-seasons, after manipulating Chris Bryant's service time so that you soured his relationship with the organization, after trading you Darvish last this past offseason, I'm not really sure, if I'm a Cubs fan, why I would think that these guys would sign the extension even, even if they were quote-unquote market competitive, as he's claiming that they are. Maybe they were, but the, the amount of money... I'm pretty sure these guys feel like they can get from other franchises, even if it's slightly different or slightly less. So do your other actions just not matter at all? Like, is that what he's implying? And if so, does he think that Cubs fans are stupid? Like, don't remember any of that stuff happening? I'm just a little confused. Like, why is he trying to turn the ire towards the players themselves? Uh, because that's what team executives have done for decades right because it's a lot easier to blame players and for fans to blame players than it is to admit to any sort of institutional failure and frankly credit to cubs fans who i mean i I, you know it's not like i took any sort of broad stroke survey or anything like that but in my somewhat limited exposure to cubs twitter are rightly fucking pissed and are not taking this shit. And I don't think that's exclusive to Cubs fans either, because I think that there is, like we talk about, like a growing sense of unease among baseball fans, by and large, over how owners are approaching the construction of their franchises. This Cubs trade deadline just happens to be like the most egregious example you know they had realistically no reason to completely tear down their core it's not like these players are in massive decline it is not like they don't have other good players on the roster or young players coming up who can compliment them right it was just they said yeah it's just our time we're not we can't compete anymore we tried right yeah once again let's take should we take a look at the nl central right now do you see a team running away with it i mean i see the brewers who are good but like certainly not 
not a buffer to competitiveness throughout the rest of the division. Like they're not good enough that other teams should not be trying to win that division at this Correct. moment. They're not a dynasty. Yes. In fact, I don't even know the last time they won a playoff series. <laughs> right, exactly. Like they're as Major League Baseball tries to, you know, I say tries in the biggest scare quotes possible, tries to open up more ways for teams to make the postseason, expand the postseason, you know, add another wild card spot, whatever it is, you increasingly see teams saying, well, fuck it. What's the, it's not worth it. It's not worth the, the marginal investment. Yeah. You know, uh, one other thing I want to point out about Jed Horror specifically, Cup situation specifically, is that if you say this stuff enough, it just becomes hard to refute it. Like, it just becomes hard to, if you say this was our time and we, you know, we're on a downturn, people just start to kind of forget, you know? And I'm not suggesting that Cups fans will forget, but I am kind of suggesting that media will forget. I am sort of suggesting that when Jeff Passan wrote his write-up of what the Cubs did at the trade deadline, he wrote that the Chicago Cubs were methodical, they were calculated, and as emotional as what they did was, they had to do it. And I don't think if, like, Jed Hoyer... I mean, I think that Jed Hoyer coming out and saying everything he said and Theo Epstein going on this um, (laughs) rehabilitation tour is is not really what he's doing. Theo is just, like... He's working for the MLB front office, and so he's talking to everybody and their brother. Right. He saw the he saw the writing on the wall with the so Cubs organization, yes. and said and said, "Yeah, I don't need to sully my reputation with this." Exactly, I don't need to sully my Golden Boy reputation. But like, I think if reporters respond in that way and sort of are forgiving to the Cubs about this, then it just rewards the GM and president of baseball operations who mindset where it's just like I'll just come out and craft my own version of reality Passon reports that they decided they were going to do this if the opportunity came up two weeks before the trade deadline that they were going to trade all three of those guys Rizzo Baez and Brian so like it was calculated it was premeditated and I would like to stretch it back further to 2018 and 2019 when they just decided they didn't want to improve the team anymore because the division was bad enough that they felt that they were still just going to have it handed to them. And then I'll take it back to the 2020-2021 offseason when they traded their best pitcher. And they don't have any other starting pitching on the team. You know their best pitcher, you Darvish, who's having a fucking killer year in San Diego? That guy? Remember him? But they had to do it. They had to do it. Alex. They just, they had to. Why? They I love Kyle to. Hendricks. I do. No, Kyle Hendricks. They had to good, do it. Good, 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 good pitcher. Uh, you're gonna run them, run them out there every, every day. But they had to do it. Can he? Can he play third? The one takeaway that I want you to have from this, you and the listeners, is that they had to do it. They didn't. They didn't have a choice. Frankly, they, they were they were at a crossroads, and they there was only the crossroads was just one road, and it was they had to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, there's so many other things that happened to the trade deadline. It was a truly wild day, and it was unfortunate timing for us that we were going on vacation the next week. But, you know, it is what it is. You probably heard a bunch of other podcasts talk about it. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to power through three up, three down. 
Today's episode of Tipping Pitches is brought to you by Big Screen Sports. Big Screen Sports is the sports movie podcast breaking down what worked and what didn't about your favorite and least favorite sports movies. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know about Big Screen Sports. You know Kyle Banduho, friend of the podcast. It's been on here multiple times. We've been on Big Screen Sports multiple times as well. Most recently to talk about the seminal movie Moneyball. So that might be a good spot for you to start. There's plenty of wonderful episodes of Big Screen Sports to keep you hooked in as well, though. Why was trouble with the curve a baseball nightmare? I feel like that answer is probably obvious to a lot of people listening to this, but alas. What makes Friday Night Lights a better football movie than Remember the Titans? Does the ending of Tin Cup kind of suck? Every Monday, Big Screen Sports is answering these important questions. And for the next few months, Big Screen Sports is also recapping every episode of Ted Lasso. The beloved Ted Lasso going week by week with the new episodes of season two. If you're a sports movie fan, I cannot recommend Big Screen Sports enough. Kyle is the best. He's a friend of the show. We love Big Screen Sports. It's available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. So go check it out. All right, let's do three up, three down, Alex. Um, I put out a call for some voicemails. This was a loaded podcast, so we'll save those for next week. Um, I think we should start with down probably this week because more of the pressing topics this week are in our downs versus our ups. So uh, I'll, I'll let you kick it off. How about that? Uh, okay. If you uh, if you say so. Um, the first one that is on my list this week, which again is is slightly old news so i want i want to ask our listeners to bear with us a, a little bit but the new york mets did not sign all right let's move on all right my first, first round, round this week is um <laughs> uh, rocker God. yeah they didn't they didn't sign him vandy's finest one of the most I mean, vandy's second finest but vandy's second <laughs> heard of a heard of a guy jack lighter he signed that he did uh the the Mets didn't sign him due to supposed injury concerns there was a, a a lot going on there there were a lot of reports coming out about what the negotiations were and what they weren't and what the injury concerns were and ultimately why he why he didn't sign um but it's largely in my down just because I think it exposed a lot of the flaws of Major League Baseball's draft and how it preys on the lack of opportunity that college students already have uh, in order to exploit them for potential long-term value. Preach, brother. uh, Really fun stuff, but... It You're radicalized also a fan. That that exact point radicalized Buster Olney. So, <laughs> so strong true. stuff. Strong stuff. But I also I I want to open it to you because I know that I know that you are a noted Mets fan. No, you've you've had a feeling every. I don't once know in the Mets about this team. I don't know them. That's true. Where do okay. they play? Well, then should we move on? I tried. I tried that. I tried. <laughs> uh, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Every time I think about this, I just get more pissed. And plus, the Mets are playing so bad right now. They fall all the way down to third. It feels a little bit like karma. Um, I was really excited about Kumar Rocker. Not only because he's the most famous college baseball player. Not only because he's really good at pitching. But because I really feel like he was going to be a star in New York. Like there the way that he performed in the College World Series, 
the way that he pitches with emotion, the way that he understands the history of black pitchers, the way that he seemingly responded very positively to getting drafted to go play baseball in New York, the largest baseball market in the country. Um, I was just, I was so excited about it. And it was already like Marcus Stroman was already like quote tweeting Kumar Rocker being like, can't wait to coach you up. And all this shit was going on. And I was like, all right, it's good vibes. And then, and then, and then Alex, then it all unraveled. I don't know. I don't know what happened still. I need like the TikTok. I need like the, the oral history of how this all fell apart. Um, I guess an abridged version of that oral history is Steve Cohen tweeting education time. Baseball draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. I never shy away from investments that can make me that type of return. So, much to think about. Much to process with that tweet. How do you think all the other 29 owners felt about him? <laughs> just, just. I think that Jerry Reinsdorf went to the owner's group chat and was like, I tried to tell you about this guy. This is why I voted no on approving this guy to own a baseball team. He's liable to tweet shit like this that just exposes the fact that we're exploiting these kids. That's how I think that the other 29 owners felt about it. But I guess, so the implication from Steve Cohen is that Kumar was not going to make him five times the slot value. And that's why he chose to not invest in him. Aside from the fact that he's talking about this person like he's a fucking stock. This is a human being who has dedicated his whole life to getting this good at baseball and did it enough, did it well enough that you used your 10th pick on him and then didn't actually draft and then didn't actually sign him. So you just burned that slot money that you said was so valuable to you. You burned it all. So who's the genius investor here? Aside from all of that, I'm just a little confused as to what the Mets saw that was so surprising. Like, his velo dipped three miles per hour over the course of the last college season. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scout. I'm not a Major League Baseball pitching coach. I have never pitched in Major League Baseball. I have never even pitched in college baseball. But a three-mile-an-hour dip on your fastball is a red flag and uh, might indicate that someone might need Tommy John. You know, there were rumors about Kumar's elbow, the high innings, the stress, the very arm-heavy delivery that he has or has had at moments throughout his college career. But like, if that's really going to deter you from signing this person, don't draft a pitcher. (laughs) All pitchers have health problems. I hate to break it to you, but remember when the Mets had five aces five years ago? Where are they? Oh, the one that's healthiest is actually fucking throwing shutouts against you in Philadelphia. Why didn't you sign him? He wasn't worth five times his value to the club. Remember when Brody Van Wagenen was like, Hey, I'll we, be proven right. We we helped Zach Wheeler uh, parlay two good half seasons into, you know, uh, whatever, $150 million contract. So really, he $100 million. Be, He's the most underpaid pitcher in go. baseball right go. now. He's more underpaid than DeGrom because he's actually pitching yeah. right now. So fucking Zach Wheeler's amazing. Just put I him mean, on my up this week. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I Just, a, just a, a little bit of context here, right? So... Like you said, Rocker was – there were obviously some health concerns because he is a, a, a person who throws baseballs at a velocity at which humans were probably not made to, to move their arms. Reasonable. He did not submit to MLB's pre-draft Nobody MRI does. 
program. Right. If if a player does and you draft them, then you have to give them at least 40% of the slot because Rocker didn't submit to it. The Mets had no obligation to him whatsoever. But again, I go back to Steve's tweet, which looks to me like Kumar Rocker was a pretty good draft pick because even if he falls short of your quote, five times slot value investment or whatever it is, if you want to totally dehumanize him and strip him of, you know, whatever it is that makes him him and just look at him as a number on a spreadsheet, there's still a decent chance he turns out to be a baseball player. Yep. And it feels like organizational malpractice that they didn't sign him. And this is not exclusive to the Mets, right? This isn't like a, like a lull Mets situation because the Mets are far from the first uh, team to have done this. I also, I think it's ludicrous that they are rewarded for not signing him. Right. Yeah. They just get a, they just get another pick next year. Oh, you didn't, you didn't want to follow through on that, on that commitment you made. Yeah. We'll give you a mulligan. Where's Kumar Rocker's mulligan? Does he get to go to another baseball team? Spoiler alert, listener, he does not. Um, okay, I've said everything I need to say about this. Uh, the Mets are on my shit list right now. <laughs> not just for this. Um, my first down this week, Alex, is... Remember all that feel-good campaigning around the Field of Dreams game? Remember that? And then it, it got announced. Everybody was excited. They had a lot of promo shit about it. Um, you know, it got, it got postponed because of COVID. Okay, it's happening this year. It's happening in a few days on Thursday of this week. Um, currently, tickets are selling for $1,413 on average. You can't get into the game at this point for less than $1,316. Some tickets are going as high as $4,000, Alex. Um... I don't really remember them saying that it was going to cost thousands of dollars to get into this game. Do you remember that? Who Who is this game for? Because as Courtney Calabra pointed out, the median household income of Dyersville, Iowa, where this game is being played, is about $61,000. So who is paying $4,000 of their $61,000 salary before taxes to get into one baseball game between the Yankees and the White Sox? Uh... Well, don't you remember Terrence Mann's famous speech in Field of Dreams where he says the one constant through all the years, Ray, is getting gouged by Major League executives to attend one ball game in the nosebleeds. I'm pretty sure those were his exact quotes. Maybe I'm paraphrasing. People will come, Alex. We just won't let them in because they didn't pay $4,000 for a ticket. But people will come. Yeah, uh, not only do I remember that, it plays during every fucking commercial break of every game. <laughs> in a Chevy commercial. Um, that was already one of my downs this season. That That's all. It's just... It, is this game for, like, senators? Uh, who is coming to this game? I just don't know. Who is going to this game? Is, like, are celebrities going to fly to Iowa for one regular season baseball game? Or is there going to be, like, 20 people in the stands? <laughs> I'm so confused. I hope nobody goes to the game. And I hope that it kills the idea. Because 
frankly, the capitalization on the nostalgia of Field of Dreams has completely bastardized any positive thing that was to be taken from Field of Dreams. And there are many negative things that you could say about that movie. It is not unassailable. It is not a top five baseball movie. But people do have positive feeling towards it because it does valorize lower B baseball. Lowercase b baseball. And MLB was like, what if we stripped all of that good stuff out of it and we charge people $4,000 for a field that we plowed down? They actually plowed down the cornfield, Alex, and they're charging people $4,000. Yep. It looks gorgeous. Can I just say that? The photos of the area? Ah. Well, good thing that there are photos because you're never going to see it any other way. Nope. I'm excited to um, to bet on the game, though. Yeah. I will be, um, I'll be watching it on barstools.com. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they'll be wearing the uniforms of the team that was banned from baseball mm. for betting on it. Mm. But, you know, time, America's moved by like an army of steamrollers, right? So, time heals all wounds. <laughs> time heals all wounds. Ooh, we're on a roll. Okay, next down for you. Uh, next down for me is just a just a just a baseball one, and that's that Romo and Loriano got suspended. Yeah, I knew you were going to put this. Yeah, I mean, I had to. I had the pleasure of breaking this news to you. There's no take here. Thankfully, there isn't a, a rant or or a monologue. I mean, the closest we could get to it is just give all players PEDs and see what they see what they can do. I love that take. It's 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 disappointing as an as an Oakland A's fan and and also as a baseball fan who thinks that Ramon Laureano is really exciting and electric and electric and I frankly don't don't entirely care that that he was taking PEDs or whatever was happening there. Frankly, I'm a little disappointed he didn't set up a fake website to try and get himself out of it. I'd like him to talk to Melky Cabrera. Has he said anything about this? Has he said like I didn't put any? I don't know what went in. I wasn't. I was unaware of anything that was going. Has he had like one of those blanket denials? That's a good question, and I actually haven't seen one. I don't know if he has, but I would kind of respect it if he if he didn't. If he was just like, (laughs) "Yep, (laughs) I did." Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the take. Here's the take, Alex. Ready? Formulating it in real time out of thin air processing, downloading, mm-hmm. re-uploading mm-hmm. back to the podcast. He's just a dude who's trying to put up numbers because he's about to be Arb, you know? And Arb just has to take the numbers at face value. And he's under a lot of pressure. And he just was trying to get in a little edge. He's trying to get a little edge. He wasn't allowed to whack trash cans. He was actually negatively affected by the whacking of the trash cans. So you know what he did? He did something that was as old as time performance enhancing drugs <laughs> PEDs are like the vinyl of baseball you know <laughs> so we really true. should we gotta we gotta bring it back yes yes not enough <laughs> people doing he, PEDs anymore he did put out a statement through the players union that was you know like one of these oh um, I saw this yeah yeah fo- focus groups like statements you know I'd I take great care of my body and have a regimented diet based on the minuscule amount that was briefly in my body. I've learned it was likely that it was some contamination of something I ingested. No, Ramon, apologize to no one. Yes, I do. do. Who do you think you are? I am. (laughs) Suspended for longer than any player on the Astros. Yes, this is real. We're bordering on 
legitimate sports radio now. Yes, I know we are. But you know what? Sometimes we have to let our true colors show. We're just still pining for that radio show in Topeka. Uh, what is, uh, what's next down for you? I'm pivoting back to Tipping Pitches Core. Um, okay. Remember the Cubs? You familiar? You remember them? You recall that franchise? I think we might have talked about them at one point or another on this episode. Um, I can't recall. You know, they're, they're putting up a new... <laughs> they're putting up a new building <laughs> connected to Wrigley Field. It's going to be a... Is it a development center for their minor league players? No, it's actually going to be an apartment, an apartment complex for their minor league players. Just mm. kidding. Oh, Just cool. kidding, Alex. Of course not. Of course it's not anything that's constructive for anyone but the Ricketts. It's a building to house their own in-house sports book. Sports book. A place to gamble on Cubs games. They went in front of the Commission on Chicago Landmarks to seek approval for a two-story addition. This is according to ChicagoBusiness.com reporter Danny Ecker. A two-story addition on the southeast corner of the ballpark. I love the mock-up for this where <laughs> it's just like this glass floor-to-ceiling, glass walls. And there's like two different spots on each window pane for like a sponsorship. And in the mock-up, it just says brand sign, brand sign, yeah. brand sign, mm-hmm. brand sign, which is like we could get our, caddy. our logo up there. We could try. We could try. Tipping pitchers, co-sponsors, sports betting, cancel them. Um, caddy corner to the wind trust signs that are already sprinkled all around um, Wrigley Field. This is just like really funny. It's really funny. Definitely not infuriating. It's just funny. And this was like days, just days after they they traded away all of their good players. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't you can't root for Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, you Darvish, you name it. John Lester, Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell. You can't root for any of those guys. But you know what you can do? You can bet against the Cubs because they suck ass. uh the refined takes we love to hear on on tipping pitches yeah dumb as shit i can't wait for someone to come into our mentions and be like well you see the thing is like player payroll is separate from like the the real estate holdings of the the you know the rickets and there's like money designated for um uh, spending money on like on field like baseball operations and you don't get it there's a lot of like money coming in and coming out and different uh, um bank accounts and uh, I you know I I call the rickets my daddy occasionally <laughs> like it's it's a whole thing you guys just don't get it they're just increasing the value of the it. they're just increasing the value of the franchise and that's their job. Yeah. I don't know what else you want me to say. <laughs> final down for you. Uh, my final down for me is a is a is a real one, uh, and that's that uh, the Oakland A's broadcaster Ray Fossey, broadcaster since 1986, two time world champion, just beloved member of A's history, is uh, is stepping away from broadcasting duties because he said uh, he shared the news this past week that he's been battling cancer for the last 16 years. And he said that given his current medical condition, he is going to step away from broadcast duties, focus on treatment. There's no, there's no snark here. There's no irony here. It's just, I hope he gets better because he's a, he's a, 
a rare voice in the game that just kind of like loves the game, mm-hmm. like enjoys watching baseball and just talking with his buds. And sport could probably use some more of that. Um, so, you know, wishing him all the best. I, I have no idea what, um, you know, the status of his condition right now. It seems like he is doing okay at the moment, but, um, but you know, it always sucks to see this sort of thing from a beloved member of the baseball community, especially when it is close to home. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I got. Uh, extremely well said, Alex. I, I support all of that. Um, I'm wishing all of the best for Ray Fossey. Um, you know, very eloquent, very serious. Unlike my final down, unfortunately, uh, no, no easy way to transition just into me being angry about position players coming onto the mound and throwing. Yes, this is my first up. I'm so happy. Rainbow 37 mile per hour pitches, Alex. I'm putting on my sports radio hat, putting it back on to say, this is such an embarrassment to baseball. This is an embarrassment to Major League Baseball for clubs to not have any kind of designated position player as Foolish Baseball foolish baseball mentioned in our mentions to come in there and at least take it seriously. Brock Holt, are you fucking kidding me? 37 miles an hour? If I was on the other team, I would walk up without a bat. I mean, he did hit like the 80s in that same at bat. Like, it's not like he can't pitch at all. Also, sorry, hang on. Just real quick, did I say you wanted like a designated player who knew how to come in and pitch? I'm I'm sorry. I just, it sounded like... No, no, no. We, we have se- a designated we were... pitcher. It's called the fucking pitcher. If they, mm. if they want to forfeit the game, just forfeit the game. Just start a forfeit rule. I'm so tired of seeing position players coming in there, throwing 48 miles an hour. It's such a waste of everybody's time. Just forfeit the game. Just forfeit it. Just do something that gets you disqualified. I don't care what it is. But it's just, it grates my brain. It feels like a cheese grater is going across the front of my brain to try to square the fact that they can send position players up there who just look like they're not having a good time. They don't want to be up there. They're throwing bullshit 50 mile an hour fastballs over the heart of the play. They're throwing batting practice. And this is the same sport where we're talking about the integrity of competition of guys bat flipping is ruining the sport. And fucking your mean Mercedes is not allowed to hit a home run off of this because it's the integrity of competition. And yet we're putting position players on the mound throwing 50 miles an hour like it's Little League. So you take issue with a player going up there and trying to do something that's not the role that he has you know, listen, uh, practiced to Just do? because I got you at the beginning of the podcast about the jerseys doesn't mean you need to derail this position player thing and turn it into do it, into a DH thing. Okay? We've been in the arguing spirit the last week. We've been arguing about hot dogs versus hot dogs, whether they're sandwiches or not. It does. This is a separate <laughs> idea, Alex. This is separate. <laughs> it's so stupid. I'm so angry about it. Uh, unnecessarily so. I will fully admit that. I just, I just, for all the pitchers that we have on rosters these days, you just sprint, need to bring in a pitcher. You just have to do it. You just have to do it. At the end of basketball games, they don't bring in Shaq to run point guard. But how much fucking fun would that be? Huh? Not fun. Not fun. 
It wouldn't be fun. I mean, it'd be fun if it was Shaq specifically, but it wouldn't be fun if it was like fucking Hashim Thabit. Yeah. I I put this on my my first up this week, not necessarily because I particularly enjoy watching Brock Holt throw a 31 mile per hour slider because the the pitch classification didn't know what the fuck else to call something that just was a literal gravity ball. I know. And pitching um, ninjas calling it an ethos, and I'm like, come on. Yeah. Dice came out to Saka didn't die for this. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of enjoy that there's still a part of the sport that hasn't been like completely efficiencyed out yeah like there's still these weird ass wrinkles and like i think that we all kind of started to get a little tired of position players pitching like a year or two ago when like every team started doing it realizing that they didn't want to burn relievers right it was like this fun novelty four or five years ago and now there's arguably like a position player like every every you know couple days counterpoint counterpoint Uh this Uh is the game being efficiencyed out this is teams making an analytical decision to save a reliever for the next day because they don't want to win that day this is not good for the viewing rock holt most effective reliever on the rangers that day (laughs) it's so funny that it was against the a's too i know (laughs) offensive juggernaut (laughs) oakland a's i just i don't know i think oftentimes you see the position players just enjoying themselves sometimes out there sometimes 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 they're not a lot it's of like times. sometimes it's like 15 to 1 and everyone clearly just wants to go home they're just hitting, having a line drive hit right back up the middle at their face yeah of course look when a guy goes out there and is just getting shelled you know <laughs> it's not it's not it's not great for anyone but i hate it a lot more when my actual pitcher goes out there and is getting <laughs> shelled. <laughs> At least I know this guy isn't supposed to be good. If we're going to have players up there throwing 35 miles an hour, can we just all agree to just not count those stats? Like, can we just play out the rest of the game but not count the stats so that batters can go up there and hit opposite-handed like Javi did a couple of years ago? I mean, but that would be time, actually fun. Right? Yeah, what? That's garbage time. It's already garbage time. Now we're just yes, I know. No, I know. I'm saying it's garbage time. Like what? It happens in basketball. Like let's just let it run its course. Let a dude go up there and just just pad his stats. No, what are you saying your your main Mercedes shouldn't swing three zero? Are you gonna take take that grand slam away from him? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I know. I know it is. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I've actually been bought off by the Tony Larusa lobby. Speaking of, speaking of the White Sox, my first up this week is uh, it's Lance Lynn again. I just he's just he's really winning my heart this year. Um, he though he was praising Tony the Russo while doing it, which is a separate thing that we I don't we don't need to get into. Um, he wore a shirt in a press conference that said "Free Britney." Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn, who knew Lance Lynn had strong takes about the conservatorship of Britney Spears. Not I. Now everybody does. That's all. That's it. Nothing fancy. Just Lance Lynn is a, is a character, and we need more Lance Lynns out there. I mean, he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. What's your second up this week? My second up this week. It's already the discourse cycle passed, guys. But I haven't gotten over old Billy Ripken <laughs> trying to tell us the pitchers 
actually are not throwing any harder than they used to. This is a this is this this comes as a result of a segment on Emble Me Network with with him and Ron Darling. Be careful in which tread lightly. Ron Darling oh, is unassailable. Oh, he is unassailable. And frankly, he was he seemed just as confused about this <laughs> segment as I was. Bill Ripken employed the 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 skills of MLB Network's talented video editors to um hang on i'm just watching the video again oh m- match up two videos side by side and uh, of pitchers pitching <laughs> from 1990 and 2020 and press play and say see they're getting to the plate at the same time this is on major league baseball network run by major league baseball personally managed by Rob Manfred, right? I cannot make heads or tails of this. It's 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 so laughable. It's, it's not perfect. even like it's perfect. like like harmful. No. Like MLB network very well could easily be. It's just frequently <laughs> is. Weird and stupid it's, and it so came out of funny. nowhere. It came out of absolutely nowhere. There are so many reasons why this is not scientific at all. But the fact that they were just like we're just going to stop the network for five minutes to do Mythbusters and prove that everybody is not throwing harder. It's I love it. I actually unabashedly love it. I saw a lot of people being like, "This is what's wrong with the sport." MLB <laughs> MLB network just can't accept that these young players are great. And I'm like, "That's fine. That's fine. You're right, but who cares?" <laughs> yeah, who cares? I, this is. I mean, it had real us going into a recording with like no real topics in the off season vibes, you know? And so we're just kind of like, uh, players we'd like to get a beer with Bobby go Brock, Brock Holt, Brett Phillips, Brett Phillips, Brent Suter. Hey, Sean Doolittle. That's fucking right. Marcus Simeon. I could go all day. Look, that's the thing. I kind of feel like Bill, Billy Ripken felt, you know? Callum McHugh. I can just I can just do this all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks to the the girl in the back, as Billy Ripken referred to the video editor who put together this footage. Uh, Please, if you haven't seen it, it's the links in the description. Go watch it. It's it's not worth your time, which means it it is absolutely worth your time. My second up this week is <laughs> I wrote this a few I wrote this about a week ago, um, clearly, because I, I don't harbor any positive feelings for the Mets anymore. Um, but my second up this week is uh, Javi Baez, Francisco Lindor, and Edwin Diaz kind of reuniting and being together on the same team and showing love for that. Um, all three of them are um, from Puerto Rico. They played together on the Puerto Rican World Baseball Classic team. And clearly, like they clearly value that specifically aside from the fact that they're some of the most talented baseball players on planet earth even though edwin diaz is giving up game-winning home runs to the phillies while the mets are getting swept um and javi baez strikes out every time i blink um and francisco lindor has an oblique injury and it's not even playing right now can you tell that i'm upset about the mets um i i just think it's really cool that like that these three guys are on the baseball field together and i anxiously await lindor's return 
to the field so that they can actually just have a lot of wonderful moments and and make a lot of wonderful memories in the the 40 games that are left um, for the Mets to fall all the way down to fifth place. Yeah, you know, the Mets are a fun baseball team. Not many people know this. (laughs) On the contrary. (laughs) Okay, it's... Spoken like someone who's been on vacation for 10 days and has not watched (laughs) a Mets game since July. Let me let me uh, issue a correction to my previous statement. You do not have to hand it to the Mets. Um, nope. The the Mets have a collection of fun baseball players. May not may not translate into a fun baseball team, but boy, if you told me, hey, it's Marcus Stroman and Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez just out there vibing on a team, I'd be like, yes, give me 162 games of this. I'm sorry that that is. A, a dream that became a, a harsh reality for you. I really am sorry. <laughs> okay, what's your final up? My final up this week is experiments in Major League Baseball rules. I'm just fascinated with some of the things Major League Baseball is doing. They moved the mound back in the Atlanta League this past week. It was actually on my birthday that, that things kicked off, August 5th. There were four games. They all took roughly four hours. <laughs> and there were 89 runs scored between the four of them. <laughs> 89 runs. Uh, I please know, don't like, look at the I, man behind the curtain. <laughs> this, <laughs> pay no attention to the mound moving back <laughs> and 100 runs being scored. I... Obviously, like it's not fair to point to this the first day of an experiment not and fair. be like, "We're not in the business of being fair to no, Major we're not League in the Baseball of, be, of being fair at all." You obviously can't look at this and say, "Wow, clearly the experiment doesn't work." Whatever, you it's obviously just can. kind of you obviously can't. It's just really funny to me because I'm not entirely certain that this is really going to work out how Major League Baseball thinks it's going to. This was also they had implemented the the automated strike zone at the same time and just aside from any like scientific statistical integrity of just making changes partway through the season i just have no idea what they are expecting to happen from that how can you tinker with multiple parts of the the game like what man i'm not trying to feel like i'm back in like stats class uh, in college or something like that wow. but you can't change multiple variables. What'd you get? And in then class? have have any idea? Not good, <laughs> but enough to know that you can't do this shit. <laughs> Jesus, bro, it's so funny. I I they should just like start instituting insane rules. Like you, one of the foul poles has to be on fire at all times. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you hit the ball like, off that foul pole, you score a thousand. Yes, or like maybe the foul pole is like on a track. Um, and it just kind of like it kind of like moves back and forth. Yeah. So uh, it's almost like an arcade game. Like you better swing when the foul poles are fully open. Otherwise, you better hope you hit it exactly to right center. It's like the claw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so amazing. Uh, okay. The competency is just off the charts. Off the charts from Major League Baseball. My final up this week is um, the culmination of friend of the pod, Jake Mintz's bike trip to yes, sir. Chicago. 
to Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago, where the Chicago White Sox play. Um, this, <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't also listen to Baseball Barbecue, a podcast that I produce at The Ringer, um, Jake bet that Tony La Russa would not be hired as the Chicago White Sox manager. When that news first came out, um, he said that there's no possible way that Tony La Russa will be hired. It makes no sense. I don't know why anybody would do it. Well, um, skip ahead. Jerry Reinsdorf did it. And Jake had promised at the time that if Tony La Russa did get hired, he would walk all the way to Chicago. He said, I will walk all the way to Chicago. And uh, clearly that's not possible for a human being to do on any kind of normal or slightly sane time frame. So we we let him... <laughs> We let him buy his way out of that bet and bike to Chicago. And uh, he actually did it. He biked all the way from the Yankee Stadium to Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. And I can't believe he actually did it. And the reason that I saw my up this week is not just because I'm trying to plug baseball barbecue, which I'm not. Uh, The reason that I saw my up this week is because over the course of this bike ride, Jake decided to turn it into a fundraiser. Um, where people would donate as he was riding and he would give them shout outs on the bike. Um, he raised $25,000, Alex, for Lost Boys Incorporated, which is um, a nonprofit in Chicago whose mission is to provide access to baseball for people who have less access to it, for kids who have less access to it. And in turn, just like improve this, in the, from their bio, they say improve the social and emotional conditions and decrease violence in Chicago on the South Side. So, $25,000 is a fucking shitload of money to raise for Lost Boys. So that's my final up this week. That is a great up and a great way to end an episode that was largely talked about the ways in which this sport is constricting access to this sport and the ways in which normal ass people like you and me our buddy Jake. Not a normal ass person, but I get what you're not, saying. I mean, not a normal ass person, just an insane person, <laughs> but but also just a dude can actually affect change because frankly, that feels like the only way that this sport is really going to change is if we take matters into our own hands. I'm not saying Storm City Field, but I'm also not not saying it. Direct action, brother. Um, That's right. Before we get out of here, uh, I want to shout out, this is a perfect segue because um, from that evening, one of the people, uh, one of Jake and Jordan's friends who was also there at that game is also a, a listener of the show and, and a friend, uh, an online friend of mine as well. Um, his name's JT Chipman. Uh, he tweeted a photo at us of the guys at the game, Jake arriving, Jake making it there with his bike and everything. And uh Chip was wearing a unionized the miners Dodger shirt. So, you know, pretty cool. Uh, that leads me into my shout outs for the unionized the miners uh, photos that have been shared with us in the past two weeks because we did not record live last week. So thanks to Chip. Uh, thanks to two different people named Christina, both wearing unionized the miners A shirts. Uh, thanks to Trixie Knitter. Thanks to Scott. Thanks to Ben. Uh, thanks to Kara. Thank you to Zachary for sharing an amazing photo of him wearing our United the Miners Dodgers shirt and his dad wearing an Advocates for Minor Leaguer shirt. That one really warmed my heart. Um, thank you to Charlie. And finally, thank you to Francesca. Alex, that's uh, that's it for this week. If you want to get your own United the Miners shirts, all proceeds go to More Than Baseball. Um, you can find it 
on our store at our merch store, tiny.cc backslash nationalized. You can also get yourself a hat that says no billionaires in baseball. It is a beautiful baby blue. I did buy myself one hat. I have not received it yet because they are still in production. So if you're listening and you purchased a hat, you haven't gotten it yet. Uh, don't worry. I haven't even gotten one and we made them. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave the people with Alex or did I, did I cover it all? You did a, a great job. I just want to say this is some breaking news right now. Aubrey Huff suspended from Twitter. Oh, pour one out. Damn. For our mans. You know, Another I got to say it's the dust. Today it's Aubrey Huff. Tomorrow who's it going to be? Huh? First they came for Aubrey Huff and I did not say anything because I was not a former major leaguer who logged on every morning to engage in the culture wars. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sayonara, buddy. Eat shit over there offline. Thank you to everyone for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!